everyone and welcome to the first episode of the White Pop Podcast. We are a indie game development studio based out of Belfast, Northern Ireland. In this first episode we're going to be doing a deep dive on the development of Stargazing, a 2D puzzle game made in the Unity game engine. You can download it now on iOS and Android. So we hope you all enjoy and thanks very much. Hello everyone and welcome to the first White Pot Studios podcast. Woohoo! Um, we're going to be talking about our mobile game, Stargazing, that we released last month. And you're going to get to know the team a bit as well. So to kick off, um, I'm Vicky. I'm co-founder of White Pot Studios and I handle the business and development production side of things on Stargazing. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm the other co-founder of White Pot Studios and I am in charge of the programming and making sure that the game actually runs at the end of the day. Hi, I'm Robbie. I helped out with the programming and did a lot of the game design on Stargazing. Hi, I'm Matt. Uh, I am lead artist and art director at White Pot Studios. And I'm Amy. I'm a 2D artist and uh, initially concepted Stargazing. Stargazing was initially born out of the Six Games in Six Weeks prototyping event, which NI Screen led back in the summer of 2019, I think it was. Uh, Vicky, do you want to kind of give like an overview of what that whole thing was and like what some of the outcomes were? Yeah, so the Six Games in Six Weeks, which was as grueling as it sounds, <laughs> um, <laughs> was a prototype sort of scheme done um, at the Pixel Mill, which is Northern Ireland Screen's games incubator based in Belfast. And essentially it provided teams with funding to create six prototypes over six weeks, um, game jam style themes, and you'd make a game per week basically. And for week five, the theme was patterns and that's where Stargazing was born. Yeah, and I should just say that was initially why me and Amy were kind of brought on, wasn't it? That's yeah. part of that thing, yeah. So yeah, week five, Amy, you actually pitched the idea and I have your uh, your post in the Discord. You said, a pattern type game where you're looking in the night sky and constellations flash in an order and you have to repeat it by clicking the corresponding constellations in your notebook. When you complete them, an illustrated version will appear, question mark. Patterns could get progressively more challenging for future levels. So that initial concept, how did you kind of come up with it? Um, and like, what were you kind of thinking the game could be? Well, at that point, we'd had quite a, a warm spell so I've been sitting outside at night and watching the stars and when I, we were talking about patterns and thinking about different things we could do for that one of the things that came up in my mind was constellations which are sort of a, a natural pattern in the sky they're kind of cool and you can do a lot of visual things with them um, I think in that initial version I had the idea for maybe it being like a match what is in a notebook into what is in the sky but what it eventually became was sort of a connect the dots puzzler uh, which we felt uh, fitted it quite well because that's what you do when you're trying to see a constellation is in the sky is you connect mm. the wee dots yeah. to form it did you have like an initial interest in astrology or anything or did you just think that that idea matched the the game quite well i do like stars quite a lot and the constellations have always really interested me to have a bit of an interest in astrology from like a, a sideline in mm -hmm, terms yeah. of like like um the traits of a gemini and things like that uh just find it interesting to see yeah. what people think of from it well that was good we had that initial idea and then we had to go off and make it so basically we had a week to put a, to put together a prototype um and then 
show that prototype off to the rest of the pixel mill at the end of the week but i do remember specifically with stargazing that adam was off for like the first two days so mm-hmm. i remember vicky being like right robbie you need to you need to come up with a way to make this work <laughs> <laughs> and having just started at whitepot i remember being like oh no <laughs> so i think Definitely my initial in the deep end. my initial like gameplay mechanic i think was really bad but thankfully adam came in on the way we- i think it was the wednesday and was like right we're gonna do it like this this is what i've been thinking about uh so we should just go ahead with this <laughs> yeah luckily vicky had reported back to me what the idea was and stuff and i had a bit of time to think about it i can't quite remember what it was like whenever i came in on the wednesday do you I have a feeling it was literally like, say you have a three object constellation, so three points. I think it was like, if you click point two, it'll like turn on this game object that's between point one and two. So it was not scalable whatsoever. Uh, um, but I was going to ask, actually, coming in on the Wednesday, did, did you have a certain like idea of how you wanted to architect it? And also like on a side note of that, when you're thinking of systems like that do you have like a process that you kind of run through before you begin implementing anything i guess like during the six games in six weeks uh, the key thing was get something playable so i remember even at the end of that like a week being like this is kind of dodgy what we've thrown together uh, i think the specific bit i remember is everything would end up as hydra because that way when we were demoing it we just needed to draw a line and people would be like yeah that's hydra so I don't think the actual constellation like recognition side of things was in. But like generally when it comes to like architecting things in general, just try and work within what Unity has as much as possible rather than trying to reinvent the wheels. So I keep think I try to keep things quite component based and separate it out that way. And uh, so I think ultimately what we had was um each star had a line render on it and then we had a line render in the scene. So the line that you're drawing between the stars is like one line and then as soon as you connect a star it gets replaced with like this bigger line renderer that draws the actual constellation shape and uh, we went through a couple of different line renderers to try and get one that worked well and didn't pinch at the corners and that was that was quite a problem initially. You'd be trying to draw out this constellation and suddenly it would pinch at the corners or a, a certain line would be a different thickness. And uh, I remember having quite a lot of problems with getting one to work, but we got one in the end that I think it was quite nicely. Yeah, we did have like, there was different ways to play it. Because I remember we had like three separate builds that we ended up putting together. One was like, you would draw it as one full line. And then another one was like, you could tap the stars and it would draw the line for you. Or there was like another way that would just be like one full swipe. So at least that was something that we got out of the way early was seeing how gameplay mechanic fit the drawing the best. Yeah, um, I think at that stage, it was also still like kind of, it would flash up the constellation and then you'd have to trace it out through memory. It was more of a memory game at that point still. One thing I liked about that is because we were in the pixel mill at the time, we could just, because we had the build on the phone and we were just going around the room like, try this, try this, see if that works, see if that works. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I remember from throwing you in the deep end those first two days, I wanted us to do like a um, reusable JSON reader for Unity input. And I was like, right, we could put the star data in like JSON files. And, st-. and I went down such a rabbit hole on that. <laughs> and especially for a game jam. I think that's why the Hydra thing was the issue, was because we were trying to read all these different constellations, but every time it would just read Hydra and we couldn't work out why. So I think technically it was supposed to work, but it just always showed Hydra. But as Adam said, it kind of worked out well in the demo because it was just a straight line. 
<laughs> I think definitely honed in or sort of what actually goes into like a rapid prototype sense. It was really, it was good for that. Those six weeks just being like, what can you achieve in a week? What is actually playable in a week? And what do you actually want to have at the end of it that conveys the main game idea? And yeah, <laughs> Hydra was the end result. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And most importantly, it showed us that we should never trust Robbie again. That's it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I stayed quiet up until about last month as a result of that. Uh, that order. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had the mechanics, and then I suppose Matt and Amy over to you then. The initial kind of art style was pixel art. How did you guys kind of land on that initially? Whenever we brought on Amy, I spoke to her saying that with every project, we're going to try a different style, you know, something that is a little bit outside our usual wheelhouse. Just to give it a go, we had six weeks. We might as well try something new each time. Um, and we felt like pixel art, which is something that we both had little to no experience in. So yeah. we felt like it was a good fit for this game, especially because the game played off ideas of nostalgia and remembering things with the notebook idea and things like that there. So we thought it fitted quite well. And night sky imagery tends to look quite nice in pixel art. So it was it was it kind of it was a mix of something we've never done before and it was just something that we felt like fitted the overall aesthetic and like theme of the game, I suppose. Yeah, just the as you were saying, like with the notebook and things like that, that was um an element that we had initially in the build and then as time went on we removed it and then we sort of brought it back. And funnily, from the beginning it was kind of one of the drivers of the art style and then when we brought it back it again was sort of the catalyst for the change of this ancestors journal that you can tell the story through the pictures that sort of gives you like this nice little cozy feeling of nostalgia and rebuilding somebody's life that they've lived so we thought pixel art worked quite well for that in the beginning and then it catalyzed the change a couple of months down the line do you have any memories of initially what your thoughts were about like drawing the illustrations in pixel art at the very beginning? Did you think, okay, I'm going to go do it like this? Or was there a certain thinking behind it before you guys drew anything? Not really. I kind of just tend to wing it. Because um, <laughs> I feel like it's a bit like it's, it's important to think about it, obviously. But after a discussion between me and Amy, you kind of just have to get into it. Because um, we didn't have a lot of time. Like we only yeah. had a week. And we needed to get quite a lot of material that when we showed it off at the end of the week, people could get an understanding of what we were aiming for. We just kind of had to get into it. Yeah. Awesome. I think for some of the art, some of the more complicated stuff, we drew in just color first, like line art. And then we yeah. might have brought it in and used it as a stencil for tracing then later on. So yeah, I suppose after the we wrapped up the prototype, we still had a few more weeks of prototyping different ideas. I don't know exactly how we got from the prototype to a backed project that we could work on. Vicky and Adam, you guys could shine some light on that. Yeah, so of all the ideas from the six games in six weeks, all the prototypes we come up with, we looked at market appeal, commercial viability, things like that, but also just which one was the most fun. And we think that Stargazing just sat well in the middle of that Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we were given the green light to take it forward and the rest is history. <laughs> but, um... yeah, I think there was a Games and I event or something we went to and we did like a rough vote of which games of our six games in six weeks the people want to 
Odysseus, Carry On. I think a lot of them were kind of around the same level, but I think Stargazing was either just above or just sort of, like you said, hit that sweet spot, but was also popular enough within that kind of casual vote. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a few months later that we, we switched fully to Stargazing, which then led into reevaluating it a bit more. You know, we decided to change some of the mechanics, but a big thing that changed was the art style. I suppose, Matt, what influences were you drawn from and what did what motivated the change for you and Amy to kind of pivot from pixel art to the newer style of stuff? I initially wasn't all that crazy about changing art size. I had grown comfortable with the idea of pixel art. I felt like it fitted the idea pretty well. Fortunately, we had to change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it, worked, like it, it worked out in the end. Like I think for a little while, it was kind of hard to figure out exactly what what we would replace it with because that was my biggest problem was like i don't i don't know what we could replace this with that doesn't just make it look really generic mm. like pixel art in itself can be really generic but there was just something about if we swap it will it just not stand out and for me it's really important that our projects here have a unique look like they're not all very samey obviously they have similar like design ideas or influences but i didn't want them all to feel like the same game so it was important to me that stargazing had a unique look and then also did justice to amy's idea mm. i wouldn't want to just slap anything on that idea so i wanted to do justice to that in the end kind of settled on more of an illustrative picture book idea and someone i've always been a really big admirer of is mary blair's work who's a illustrator artist who worked on disney films back in the 1950s and worked on films like alice in wonderland and peter pan for the concept art and the color palette for some of her art for peter pan was just really like beautiful like a kind of murky green bluish color like i don't know my color so they probably have a color for it <laughs> but for me just a nice like simplicity to it that was just really nice and when i think of a night sky i always picture that image in my head for some reason like i don't really know why like uh, i don't particularly love that movie or anything it's just, <laughs> um, it just it's something that sticks out in my head whenever i think about it is that like shot of them in london them on Big Ben and them flying off to the star. Like it's just an image that kind of burned into my head. So uh, it changed a bit more from that. Um, but that's kind of the initial idea of where it started. Yeah. And Amy, what were kind of some of your thoughts on the New York style? Did you like where it was heading initially? Um, yeah, initially. You watch yourself, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, initially, I hated it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, initially I was with Matt on the pixel art. I was quite worried like what we were going to replace it with. But I did also have faith that we would sort of find something in the end. Because by that stage, I worked with Matt long enough to know that we can generally overcome most art problems chucked our way. Most by them. life in general. <laughs> we love to chuck them. <laughs> but yeah, so I really like how it is currently. When I refer, I thought of the idea like, it just kind of is going to sound really stupid. It gave me like a nice little like warm feeling, I guess. And in iterations after that, it didn't quite feel like that. But whenever we landed on the art style we have now, I got that feeling from it again. 
which is a really daft, nebulous thing to say, but it just felt no, like not. it fitted it. Mm. But yeah, so I really, I really like the new style that we went with. And I think it just helped inspire us with different wee things we could come up with for the game. I think it fits it really well. But uh, to complement this new style, Adam had to tackle the old uh, Hydra problem. So that was another thing that changed, <laughs> was some system changes that we were, had to make as we were going forward. So Adam, can you remember what your initial thoughts were on tackling some of the problems with the mechanics of the prototype? We had this idea, we really liked the idea of connecting stars, and it was a case of how do you make that into a game that's actually fun to play. So like I mentioned earlier, we had the original iteration. We started off initially with the different stars would flash up and you'd have to memorize that, and that worked fine for some constellations, but once you got to the bigger ones, I know you're asking a person to memorize 20, 30 stars, and the order that flashed in and connected in a row becomes a bit more than the challenge you wanted to put out, I think. We had we'd constrained ourselves a bit in terms of the design as well because we wanted to keep the constellations as close to like scientifically accurate as possible. Have a hint that stay then. That was one of the things we kept. You can bring up the hint, you can have a look at it, and that gives you an idea of how you connect them. We tested it with additional stars that wouldn't be in the constellation. We found from just play testing was people found them more annoying than like challenging. It didn't make them go, oh, this is harder. It made them go, this is unfair that I pressed this one and thought it was that. So we removed them. We had a live system where you could get three connections wrong before you'd be kicked out. Once again, that was too punishing because we had been playing it and somewhat memorizing the constellations, so it was difficult for us to actually get a feel of how difficult the game was because we were just breezing through it and then handing it off to people and they were like, how are you meant to know this? And we were like, ah. So it was quite difficult to judge the difficulty and get the balance right. Yeah, definitely. There was definitely a big period where the work was just finding the fun because like Adam was saying, it's meant to be a relaxing dot to dot game but if you make it too challenging it kind of defeats the purpose and i think that was a big point of contention was like is this fun or is this too easy is it now too hard we'll add this thing does that work okay no it doesn't work we need to take this out so we definitely had a lot of testing on just finding what worked the best yeah i think in the end we stripped it down quite a bit we took out a load of the kind of unnecessary systems like the health and that sort of thing and we're like I think it was you who said, we just want to make this sort of relaxing game. We know the theme of it. Let's not throw in all these bells and whistles. Let's just strip it yeah. down to its core, do that. And that's what we put out there. It, it went through a period where it resembles itself less than it did at the start. So we kind of went back to a simpler yeah. time because we were adding all these bells and whistles, like I said, health and lives and the stars disappearing. And we just decided to just simplify it, cut it back and focus on the core, which I think is always a good thing to do yeah definitely i think as well we were looking at other mobile games and trying to replicate them when maybe we should stuck with the initial design like you were saying and i think that is why we went back to that and i think it worked out for the best but we were able to uh, crack on and we got stargazing into a pretty good place over the first lockdown and i suppose to matt and amy like for quite a small mobile game there's a lot of art assets in there Did you guys have a particular workflow or way of getting from a to b when you were putting together the assets so for example, each constellation would need a sky image, a hint image, and the actual background. Did you guys have a process for putting all those together? The process is quite similar to most other 
projects is just you have a concept phase development and then a polish phase and this one there was so many unique objects yeah. especially for the idea that we were going for of it being a notebook full of collectibles from nicholas pass who's the person who owned the notebook beforehand we created a lot of assets that we could like alter quite easily to make it look different so bus tickets for example you change the date or the location and a few color details suddenly you have a new asset that was the kind of thing that we did to make it easier we had a lot of stuff to do <laughs> so we did split it up between ourselves and then obviously we'd have our meetings and have discussions and feedback which i always found really helpful to stay on track but in terms of the art we have 88 constellations with two asterisms in total. So that means there were 90 illustrations of the constellation in the sky to do, 90 separate illustrations of the constellation on the hint. And then I think Matt did over 90 individual hint items, some of which were like the bus ticket and things like that could be edited, but a lot were sort of unique items in their own right that he worked on. As well as that, there were collectibles for the achievements that we worked on, different little doodles, as well as the menu items and things like that. We did it in stages. Matt had a big spreadsheet of the different things that needed done, kept a, an eye on what we had finished, what was in progress, and when we were going to finish different assets for you guys as well. So Matt had a lot of the organizational side to do. Yeah. Well, I found it was easier for both of us to work, like Amy said, kind of in chunks. Then you have 90 plus things to work on, like unique items in terms of like the constellations of the hints. It's quite a daunting number. And in that number, you're always thinking that I've got 35 done out of 90. But if we broke them up into groups of 20 or so, it was always easier to manage it like that there. You're like, okay, I've got 15 of the 24 done. It meant that one of the good things about there being so much stuff is that we we didn't really waste too much time nothing got wasted really like there's a few things that didn't get put in the game but like mostly everything is in there and we had a lot of ideas for like tickets and stuff like a lot of the tickets are just kind of end jokes and references to local areas you know places back home things i got there so we had a lot of them it did get a bit hard towards the end to come up with another place that they could have went by by train and you're just like i don't know they, they went to mctrain station because <laughs> it it's set roughly in like mid 90s which played a bigger part earlier on but didn't focus on it too much towards the end but i was spending a lot of time like googling whether or not you could actually <laughs> do that <laughs> like guessing price range be like well how much would this have cost to do this and we had a big discussion about it at one point and we had a good laugh at the idea that this coping of age story of a teenage girl traveling around ireland before she moves away she must have been loaded if she could afford <laughs> places there are some jokes in there that are like they went to some restaurant and they just got glasses of water or something so it didn't actually cost them anything <laughs> i think we made more trouble for ourselves than <laughs> there actually was it was fun at the same time yeah you know we had a lot of really good fun doing it yeah, and definitely. we created a lot of really great work that i'm really proud of and i think we did a great job and it'd be lovely to just see that all collated as well as it is in the game but just somewhere else too which we might do at some point I just, I really like the idea that Matt has this index on his wall and it's tracking the price of football special <laughs> over the past like 30 years. And he's just throws a dart at 1995. He's like, that's it. That's the price. That's the price. And then when it came to the collectibles as a group, anyway, we all thought about our favorite collectibles from 
the 90s or what we would think of as 90s collectibles just fun stuff things that were like oh a cassette tape like it wasn't just me and amy came up with the ideas everybody's game and it's nice to have there's little like easter eggs or other games or on the cassette tape we all picked a song from that era obviously we couldn't use the real name because we get copyright stricken or something so they're all like funny alternative names no Um, are terrible terrible puns there are some wonderful ones in there. So yeah, it's just, it's a back and forth and it's it's about like making a shared experience rather than an isolated experience. It's one of the really great things because we are such a small team that we do spend so much time chatting to each other. Like we spend a lot of time chatting, you know, shite, but you know, <laughs> but some really, Definitely. really great ideas come from that and it fosters a really like positive atmosphere. So it just, it, it influences the work. Yeah, 100%. Because usually we will just have sessions where we just talk about the game and like come up with ideas. And I was going to chat later on about some missing features, which usually come from just those talking shite sessions. But before we get on to that, I would, we had the art sorted and everything. But from a programming side of things, Adam, was there any was there any particular system that you built for stargazing that you're quite proud of? I really liked the constellation generation scene, which allowed me to really easily make all the constellations by just plotting the points. Matt and Amy, they would give us the, the illustration with the points on it, and then I could just spawn the stars, basically, on top, which was really handy and allowed us to make levels really, really quickly. Was there any other systems that you came up with that you were particularly proud of on Stargazing? You probably hit the nail on the head of the one I'm kind of most proud of just because of how out of necessity that was. I think we made the first couple of ones just by dragging it by hand and it just took such a long time to like wire it up and then just to have a thing where you could just click and it would put a star down. It was also the do of the connecting and the order they connected in. Previously you would have had to do all that manually but for the system you sort of click the star down, press the button then you could just click them up and connect them like you would in game. I think that was made out of necessity and then I quite like the system for the actual drawing and I think you did a real good job making the drawing of the line and the connecting of the stars feel really nice. Getting those like haptics and the wee screen shakes and the particle effects I'm sure you can go into that a bit more game feel is something that i'm like i really love like i like just playing a game that feels fun and intuitive to play and we kind of touched on it earlier about finding the fun like that's a big thing for me and i had initially thought oh it'll it'll be really cool if i emphasize that they've made a mistake by playing a screen shake and a really obnoxious sound effect whenever they do a wrong (laughs) connection and my girlfriend Rachel was playing it and she was like i hate this like it's actually making me so frustrated and i was like Okay, maybe that's not the right thing to do. So I did like a complete 180. And whenever you make a wrong connection, it's like a gentle like beep boop. Like, it's okay, you can try again. And I got rid of the screen shake. And then I flipped that instead. You get a little bit of haptic feedback when you've made a correct connection. And it also pauses the game for a split second, which is something that I learned from if you play a lot of brawlers or like fighting games, especially 2D ones, they'll usually pause the game for like a split second when you've made a direct hit and tell the player, oh, you've hit that good job move on it's so subtle but you do notice it if you take it out so i added that for correct connections as well it's just like a nice sound effect that plays in a pattern which kind of emphasizes the gameplay a little bit more oh, the speed yeah. runners are going to be using the, the insider <laughs> info to like find ways to get better time yeah. uh, and like we said just emphasizing that it is a relaxing game with the music and stuff too i think really helps sell it as an experience rather than an isolated thing which i think is really important kind of discussing mistakes or failures it's just the little things like you talked about there uh, getting rachel to play and then just being like oh no this, is, this wasn't a good idea yeah, definitely but, uh, 
one that I want to touch on really early in the project, I was like really quite enamored with the idea of being able to see the full sketchbook, like the full notebook. So when you opened it, you could see the whole notebook and you flipped through the pages, like you swiped it. And But you could see the whole book, so it's not the way it is at the moment. For anyone who doesn't know what it looks like at the moment, it takes up the whole screen. You don't see the edges of the book. And if you don't know that, then you should be playing the game right now because <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> listening to this? Download The spoiler-filled podcast. <laughs> you know all the secrets now? No, well, I, I was like really into that idea. It was just from some concepts that Amy and I had done. We kind of both did them in isolation. We came together. Yeah. It would be really nice to see this and i was really in love with this idea and we put it in and it just didn't look right and i like kept being like no no we have to give it a go we have to give it a go adam and i like butted heads on it a bit and i was just like no we just have to give it a go and in the end no adam was completely right like (laughs) (laughs) it looked really bad but like that's important that you know you try these things out because you could talk about it more often than you'll actually implement it and it's sometime might be wasted but at least you'll know uh, that it definitely wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah, no, but some, for sort of the opposite of that case, there's times where we've like implemented something and we've been kind of like, mm, not sure about that, but once it's in front of you, you're like, ah, of course, of course it needs to be there. What was it doing not yeah. there? I think like a fast approach to, we'll talk about it a bit because you, you know, you don't want sticking in anything random. Like, Yeah, you wouldn't be like, okay, everyone, it's time to down tools and we're all going to work on making the logo spin (laughs) infinitely fast when you open the game. And that's going to be the new feature. That's it. It's just spinning logo simulator. I've definitely found as well, like making those mistakes has been a lot more rewarding in the long run. You learn far more by making them than just leaving it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I suppose we've got everything done. It's more or less ready to go. Vicky, I'll go over to you for this one. What was your experience of then taking the game and putting it on stores? Because I knew that was a long, long hard-fought battle. I had some minor issues with, and everyone's laughing because um, essentially we released Tubosity in 2017, which was a free-to-play endless runner. And that was my main experience of doing mobile stuff. We did some client work last year on the iOS store, but I did not realize just how much the Android store had changed since I'd last properly submitted something to it. And oh my goodness, obviously with the pandemic and stuff, approval times take a bit longer, but I just kept hitting really weird edge case store issues with google play store and stuff and that was something i really learned from a production point of view is just leave way more buffer time and expect things to go wrong essentially and allocate time for that fairly smooth now there's a few things we had to change like um don't know if the issue stemmed from the fact that originally the game was targeted to all ages as opposed to just over 13s obviously because there's that kind of astrology aspect it might have been falling into some filters um still don't really know but um everything's going smoothly now but um definitely in terms of store times and submissions going forward we've learned a lot in terms of just how much of a buffer to leave for that kind of thing when you're doing a mobile release very good learning experience. Thank you for asking, Robbie. <laughs> well, like I said, <laughs> it feeds in. It feeds in quite well to what we were saying because if we didn't do that, like if we didn't have those issues, we would have never known about them. And then maybe in the future, there would have been a more high pressure situation. Um, so yeah, we touched on it earlier on, and I suppose we'll just kind of finish off now with any missing features because I know we had a few brainstorming sessions where we talked about stuff that we would like to do if we had time, but most of it ended up just getting left on the cutting room floor. 
you touched a wee bit earlier on the extra lives and stuff. I originally quite like the idea of having boosters. If you join from line A to line B, if you had a booster active, it would ping off all the other lines attached to line B. But just in terms of overcomplicating things and just adding things for the sake of adding things, at its core, it's meant to be a relaxing stargazing experience. It was good to get a scale back in some of those aspects. This is just my like feature that I would have liked to have seen. We had more kind of planned with along the collectible side of things. So maybe you'd have to do certain things in a level, then a meteorite would fly through and you'd have to tap on it. Core of that got in with Martin, the sheep achievement, if you find him. But some more of those I would have liked to have gotten in and like hidden interactions. I would have liked to have added a bit more depth, like Adam said there with the shooting star, like little elements that got there or clouds or even some light movement in the city scene just little things i got there i just we just didn't really have the time for it and it just wasn't it wasn't a high enough priority to really focus time on in some of our meetings me and matt had a chat about the character whose journal you're revitalizing nicola about what kind of a person she could have been where she would have liked to have gone and we had an idea about some like little story polaroids that as you progressed through the journal that we you could have unlocked to show more of her personality and relationships with the people she met in the world around her so yeah a little bit sad that didn't make it in but like there was just not enough time <laughs> yeah. if you would like to see those extra features you can download stargazing <laughs> show us your support and then we can put them in <laughs> So just to wrap up, what is one thing that everyone has learned from making Stargazing? Um, yeah, definitely from a sort of store release point of view, um, just ironing out those issues earlier, um, doing more frequent builds to the internal test tracks and stuff. Besides being able to recognize a whole ton more constellations in the sky, <laughs> I guess the importance of getting play testing out early and quite a lot, because whenever we did get play test out, it answered a lot of our questions about what's fun, what's not fun. We were able to iterate on that information. So actually getting the game in the hands of people who haven't played it before because we got so kind of used to playing it that we couldn't really be a good judge of difficulty or challenge or fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably say just keeping things simple and like less is more. Uh, like I touched on before about overcomplicating, overcomplicating like player action. I think it's best to just keep it simple and and be effective with as little elements as possible. So that's definitely something that I've learned from like a game design point of view. Yeah, I think the most important thing to me was communication and discussing ideas with everyone else in the team and working really closely with Amy having meetings frequently uh, every time we had an idea to discuss we would just kind of jump on discord and have a chat about what we were thinking no matter what the idea was it was always great to kind of have those discussions and i think we came up with our best ideas by doing that and i think it's something i'm really really happy that mm-hmm. we were able to do yeah i think what i uh, learned the most Aside from sort of improving art-wise over the course of the project, something that I really valued was learning how to communicate more clearly with everybody and be more integral in the team. Going from just starting at White Pot as an intern to where we are now, nearly a year and a half in, um, probably more than that, I'm bad at maths. Um, (laughs) But just learning how to communicate properly with other people and how best to get ideas across and act on feedback in a sort of a timely manner. I think stargazing has really helped me with that. 
Yeah, I suppose just on that point, back when you pitched the idea in the Pixel World, did you think that it would have went on to be so well received um, and to be played by as many people as it has been? Oh, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no, it was just, um, yeah, that was like week five, fifth week of like our internship, Robbie. And it was just like one thing that I appreciate a lot about White Pot is from the start when we were there, you were always conducive to us putting forward ideas and discussing concepts and things like that. So at that point, I was just like, I'm feeling slightly brave. Uh, <laughs> so I might as well, I'll give it a go and we'll see what people think and you guys liked it and we managed as a team to turn it into what it is today and yeah i think all together like the five of us i don't think it would be what it is if without all of us as it is thanks amy i'll slip you the check for saying all those things thank you <laughs> Thanks for checking out the first episode of the White Pot Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at White Pot Studios. You can read our blog on whitepotstudios.com. If you want to email us, it's hello at whitepotstudios.com. And if you fancy joining our Discord server, it's discord.gg slash whitepot. Thanks very much. <laughs>